This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. to open the voice gate for october 24th 2023 we are members of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can find us on the voices of wrestling podcast network feed or on the open the voice gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications you can follow us on twitter at open voice gate if you'd like to donate to the show click the link in the show notes it'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site you click the red boxes to sponsor this podcast you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, Joel Powell, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Case Slow. And Case, it's been a very long week for me, but I'm glad that I'm back here on a Tuesday evening talking with you. How have you been, bud? I, I would like to start off by quoting uh, my good friend, my muse, my, my role model, Post Malone, and say to you, Mike, I just came to say congratulations. Uh, a lot of Drangate to talk about, but we will once again be alienating the Euros because I have to congratulate you on your Texas Rangers going to the World Series. And, and you know, Posty, he is somehow uh, the Metroplex's favorite son. Of like, course, we're a, a, a proud spokesperson of Raising Canes. Yeah, did you see about that new special uh, Post Malone slash Dallas Cowboys Raising Canes that they're opening up? It is a new story that I am more than happy to read. I, it was right up my alley. <laughs> but yeah, so Rangers... Uh, after the, the the pit of destruction that happened in Arlington, uh, going on the road, uh, have won every single one of their games on the road this uh, playoffs. This is it's just a wild thing that like I hate the Appalachian team of destiny, but more and more like I'm looking at what's happening in the NL and 
is this our year? Because it kind of feels like it. Like, in a way that 2011 never was that way. Uh, Well, as I told you, I think this was off the air a few weeks ago, you guys have the benefit of being the Creed team, uh, the, the team that vibes to Creed before the games. That gives you an identity, a national identity, so people are going to root for you. If it's the Diamondbacks, I think you guys will take care of business. If it's the Phillies, I think that is a really, really close matchup, but I will be rooting for you guys. I appreciate it, bud. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that I feel like that there's a potential to have like the least uh just broadcast friendly and like for only the sickos within a three-state radius world series to happen where fox would be infuriated case you know game one no matter what is happening in arlington on friday it's happening at six o'clock local time that's that's a real bummer for me i have a work event on friday i think i'm gonna miss that entire game and i would really like to sit down and watch it yeah it's it's one of those things that if it's if it's arizona like you're you're talking central and mountain time only, and that completely throws out the, the the viewership windows that they want. Like it's just, it, and even if it turns out being Philadelphia, it's I, I the Phillies are beloved. I feel like the Phillies kind of get a lot of kind of residual Philadelphia. Like everyone's like, yeah, it's the Phillies. We all kind of like Philadelphia. Philadelphia is kind of the city that everyone's like, you know what, Philadelphia, you're okay. Like the and that would carry a lot of weight. There's no one who ever says that about Dallas Fort Worth. No, 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 no. But uh, I like your guys' chances. I think it's a really fun team. I am enjoying baseball more right now than I have in many, many years. And as we're recording, look, it's a loaded TV night. You've got Phillies Diamondbacks game seven. You've got the opening of the NBA season. I just saw some Brian Pillman Jr. NXT content that the Fightful crew is raving about, so you know it must be good. <laughs> Lexus well, King? Oh, and- my God. I, you know, I, well, And look, I say this as somebody who loved the Varsity Blondes. I thought that was a great act. I still have a lot of Griff Garrison stock, even though, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my homegrown, like, I don't know, three years ago this time, I was like, well, in 2023, Nick Camarado will have been a TNT champion and he'll probably be in the hunt for the world title. I just assumed that would have happened. I would have assumed Lee Johnson would be wildly successful all over all elite wrestling television. International champion Lee Johnson, yes. maybe. Yeah, like, there you go. You know, yeah. he he and Lee Moriarty and Darby Allen doing fun things with all these names. I would have put money on that. And I also would have put money on Griff Garrison. Maybe not being a bigger star, but just mattering more. And he doesn't really matter right now. And that's a shame because I like that guy. And look, I have nothing bad to say about Pillman and Garrison and Julia Hart as the varsity blondes. I love that team. Yeah, it's something that I have found coinciding with my interest in AEW, uh, basically hitting on a deer. Like a lot of that coincides with how uh, AEW dark and elevation core things are, to be frank. Like it, it was something that I felt like things were happening or like things or at least at the very least, like there was like sicko stuff that's just like because like Varsity Blondes was all it was like a dark elevation team that just a, a, a WCW core. You know, we've seen right. this before. This is comforting in all the right ways. Yes, complete. I was well, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to I don't need to repaint what you said. It was vintage dark and elevation. And I, I greatly missed that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, now I find myself having this uh, 
really dire late show from uh, this week and up on my YouTube rather than darker elevation where I could just be happy if dark and elevation on it. I'd leave the audio up just a little bit and maybe get like a little bit of Taz saying something Jones happening in my ear at, in a quiet moment. I miss that. You know, th that that's that's what AEW lost. They, they, they lost dark and elevation. And I feel like with that lost their heart. You don't even have a you don't even have game seven on. You have a Gleet show that I don't I got to look up the card because I don't even know what's on. I don't want you to tell me. Is this the Osaka show? Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. OK. Uh, I will. OK, let me go through the matches that I will watch. I will watch Kotaro Suzuki versus Juntan show. I mean, as you should, Juton show deserves a lot better than the hand that he's been dealt. If I am awake by the time I watch that match, uh, I finish that match, I will watch Lindemann and T-Hawk versus Kamino and Kodama, Stronghearts, Jan's family, you know, the heart of the promotion. Okay, here's <laughs> where we run into an issue. Yeah. Semi-main event, eight-man tag. Check Shimatani, Kazuma Sakamoto, Ryuchi Kawakami, and Magnitude Kishiwata. That is all good. Opposing team. Kaz Hayashi, Minoru Tanaka, both of whom I love and respect, but I think are washed. Yu Izuka and Tomoaki Hanma. Does my love of Kishiwata outweigh watching Hanma in 2023? That is really tough to say. Yeah, and like the the, the one thing about the wash veterans, they call them the Kolakants, that they, they, they're both washed. There's a charm to them that only really works when they're in match one and match two. You know, yep. they all come. They, 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 they come out to the theme music. Minoru Tanaka does his dumb water bottle trick. Uh, Kaz Hayashi's glad to be there. You don't need that near the main event whatsoever. No, again, I I like Magnitude so much, and he hasn't made tape a lot this year. So we'll give that a soft maybe. And this main event of Ashita Ito Izuchi. And Tamora, I I just can't imagine watching that match. I don't know if it's really good. Somebody let me know because that's I mean obviously there's talented guys in that match, but yeah, I don't know a four, a four corners match in Gleet doesn't exactly light my world on fire. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you, Case, I'm not even to that point. I I, I it's it's Tomoka Inaba's a little sister right now in the ring against Aoi, who is all who's pretty bad, like. Has Taka, other than Micah, really like put out a good student? Uh, Ayato Yoshida, was that his name? The guy that New Japan was using for a while? Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking about in the JTO era. Like, K-Dojo, yeah, you had Ayato Yoshida, you had Kaiji Tomato, you had some guys. I mean, Kazma. Kazma was a K-Dojo guy. Like, yeah, I even, like, there's, there's some K-Dojo Dragon Gate stuff in 2005 that I really like. There's some good crossover there. But no, in the JTO era, I don't... I mean, part of it is, look, I could very easily be missing somebody because JTO is just so off my radar. Whereas even K-Dojo, while I was following it when it was active, I would always have one eye on it because I kind of thought it was interesting. I don't feel that way about JTO. So I just, I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those things that, like... Uh, we could be living in a world where I could be seeing Varsity Blondes versus Fabu, Andre, and Matt Seidel right now, you know? Yeah, I was so bummed that Seidel made TV a few weeks ago, and it was just a, it was a little Wardlow squash, and I just, I don't know. If I'm running a wrestling company, I'm, I'm not saying he's my world champion, but I'm just, I'm putting Matt Seidel on TV a lot. I just think that's good. That's a good, good business practice. I feel like he needs to get to the new TNA wrestling as fast as possible. Like that is 
basically tailor made for him at this point. That's a yeah. That's a I hadn't really thought about that, but you're you're right. I mean, if Ring of Honor was worth anything, he should be he should be a Ring of Honor guy. You know, that's where I'd really like to see him. But that continues to bewilder all of us. I mean, it's paid dark, and I was probably the the world's biggest aew dark proponent to the extent of doing an add-on podcast talking about aew dark and i can't be fucked enough to go do honor club you know no when when, again suit williams i believe hand waved it and that was all i needed to know that i was like all right suit's not watching this then or at least at the very least he's not enjoying it so that is all i need to know He's an excellent bellwether, you know, like it should be the real tr- uh, tastemaker in this. Sue, Sue Williams, one of the best voices in and not to not to use a pun on our own website, but Sue Williams, one of the best voices in wrestling. I, I, I really I like him as a person and I really, really value his opinion on modern wrestling. So I, I pay attention to what he says. What people should be doing, Mike, is they should be paying attention to what I say right now when I talk about how this past week in Dragon Gate, specifically the last three days. Some of the best stuff post Kobe world at the very least a match that I watched this weekend. That is my favorite Dragon Gate match since the beginning of August with the King of Gate finals. I am feeling very excited about this promotion as we head into Gate of Destiny two weeks from now. Yeah, it's something where we will be talking mostly about their Hakata shows along with a spicy little number in Kagoshima on this uh, episode of the program. But we are now, for all intents and purposes, we are at the door of Gated Destiny with this one. With There still is no, the, there's no more TV until Gated Destiny, I believe. Like, the, that's it. We are at Gated Destiny, essentially. Uh, we had our last kind of few moments of uh, build up there's actually talk about a deadweight showcase that the next network show is sambo hall the day before I, look Gate of destiny every year dragon gate has one show where i go i'm not watching that it, last it, year they had a double header in kyoto right before dead or alive yep and yep, i told that's you usually i, it. I that's said usually it. i said mike it's not happening i'm not watching these shows i have too much going on i am telling you right now <laughs> I am not watching a second of that November 4th Kobe Sambo Hall show. It is not happening. I mean, I'm a sicko. I know I'm going to end up watching it. You know that, right? Like, oh, God, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you're you're a sick little freak. Yeah, yeah. It's just going to work out that way. But it, it is something where we are at the door of their biggest show in, in Osaka each year. Uh, the title matches are all made. We have a full card. We'll be talking about that next week. But... Really, I think the person worth getting into first is the person that I feel like had the strongest performances of the weekend. And it was something that we were kind of waiting for to kind of to see, like getting his sea legs back. But Luis Monte has returned earlier this month. And it does feel like that as we're closing the door on October, we're really starting to see like main event Monte is a thing. And I feel like that we at least saw enough glimpses of it over this weekend that its future might be a lot sooner than we expected. Yeah. You know, you, you hit it on the head there talking about his sea legs and you know, you got to remember me, he took three months off of wrestling. He was gone from the beginning of July through the beginning of October. And we saw him dip his toe in against Kamei in that singles match. And then he had, you know, a six man against M3K and then Jason Lee on Gate of Sen- uh, Gate of Origin and Sendai. 
and you slowly started to see him come back to the man that he was, which when he left, he was, you know, I think you and I would consider to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. I had him as a top 15 guy last year. This year, he won't rate quite as high just because he's been gone for so much the year. But little by little, we started to see more and more of him in a, in a high-level role, an exciting role, and a guy that looks like he could help lead this company. And then we stormed into Fukuoka this weekend. First show, Dragon Kid and Luis Monte versus BB Hulk and Ryoya Tanaka. Second show, Dragon Kid, Luis Monte, Naruki Doi, and Yamato versus the Natural Vibes Quartet, Kamei, Jason, uh, KZ, and Strong Machine J. And then we got, like you said, this spicy little number in Kagoshima, Luis Monte and Yamato versus Jackie Funky Kamei and Strong Machine J. And I am proud to report to everybody listening, Luis Monte is back, baby. Yeah, it's something where I think that, like, just to put our cards out there, before I watched this YouTube show, I posed Case a question. There's something that was getting to me during the night main event. Uh, what is Strong Machine J's next up? Who sh- who his partner should be? And my God, I think it's Jackie Funky Kamei <laughs> after that, <laughs> the, the, that Kagoshima show. I was four and a half on the uh, Kagoshima show. I think that that match was... As close as I have seen to like the I uh, the molten crowds of like Torimon Pass, like in like a small building, everyone's just firing up, and it was Jack and uh, Dia and Luis Monte really that, that, that did it. And when you look at also the main event of the night show, is those two right there? It's the most like nails pairing that they have in this company right now, dating back to last year, is Jackie Funky Kamei and, and Luis Monte. So so let's go in order. Let's let's start with his weekend, his weekend of terror, if you will. Your thoughts on DK and Monte versus Hulk and Tanaka. This was a match that jumped out to us, not for anything that BB Hulk was involved with, but we haven't seen Tanaka against Monte. I'm not even sure we've seen Dragon Kid against Tanaka up to this point. He obviously has this huge match at Gate of Destiny. I have a quick note on that at some point that we'll get into. Uh, but did this match make any sort of impression on you, whether it was Monte or it was Dragon Kid or it was Tanaka? You know, it was something where I feel like we are starting to see the the steps of Ryoya Tanaka. And mm-hmm. it's something where after the Royal Sambo last week and Art Center, it was pretty much like you could take him or you could take Ginky Horiguchi, but you could take this rookie who has not won a match yet, uh, Ishan, and that could be your your Brave Gate challenger at uh, Gate of Destiny, and he took that. And since then, and really, I would say starting this month, like if we were talking about growth throughout a month, this has been the key month of uh, Ryo Tanaka's career so far. Wait, I, and, wait. I, and, I, and it's something that we have seen from the Buyuden show against the Noah rookies. Through all of this, he has really started to define himself. And it's something where there's still a lot of sharp edges to him. It's he's still, I mean, five. Well, now coming up on his six month anniversary, essentially. And I just, I think that that uh, I am starting to see why they, other than his good looks, why they put the stock behind him. Like it's, it's not going to be an immediate thing. I do kind of think that him as a high flyer, he, he might fly around a whole lot, but I don't know if that's going to be his long term kind of what he's going to be in five years, but I, 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 it's coming together for Tanaka. And I saw that with him and Monte, uh, kid, uh, 
Dragon Kid is not built for the new King of Chop style offense that Dragon Gate has decided to do this month. <laughs> he's a very little man, you know, he's very frail. Yeah, he, he just begged off during that. <laughs> so, so I came out, out of this week, and at, or at least from this afternoon show, like really kind of happy to see where Tanaka kind of left off there. And, and some of that was, I feel like, Monte leading him through it. Yes, I, I really liked their chemistry together. And it was, you know, something I think we're seeing with Tanaka. We, we can hyper-focus even on the people we talk to in the bubble we exist in, in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, Drangate channel, and beyond, I think we're seeing more and more people start to pay attention to those Tanaka matches. That's not something that people are skipping on these small shows. He's something that somebody that people are starting to check in with, and it's because, just little by little, he gets a little bit better. He does a little flashy thing here and there. People are starting to get behind him. I do have... A listener correction for you, Mike. Uh, in okay. regard in regards to Ryoya Tanaka. First of all, listener correction. Who the fuck do you think you are? How dare you? Second of all, thank you so much for sending this in. Uh, somebody uh, based in Japan sent us this note that Tanaka. We were talking last week about how uh, I, I believe you said he was from Hyogo, uh, which is in Kobe. And they they sent him a note saying that he is from Amagasaki. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly which is on the border of Hyogo and Osaka. And you should basically consider it uh, for, for him to be an Osaka native. This person expects hometown support uh, much like Shimizu is going to get in the main event. And That's they great. Know, they know that Amagasaki is basically uh, in quotations, the ghetto. And for a long time, you weren't supposed to say you were from there, but it is slowly being gentrified. So a little more background there on Ryo Sanaka. That's great. I mean, yes. it's something where... With him, I felt like that the idea that the company kind of picked him a little bit was a not necessarily a good thing. So the fact that he 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 will be considered basically an Osaka native at Gate of Destiny that's and that that's something that I think is a good step for him. And you know, doing that I think is just lines up with our strategy of what they've done over the past five years with these hometown guys. Yeah, yeah, it 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 makes that match make a little bit more sense because I think we all liked the idea of it on paper, but we were all sort of going, why there? Why now? What if, are we missing something here? And and we were, we, we were missing that little anecdote there. So expect some sort of hometown support for Tanaka in that match with Ishan. I really like the work that he's been doing. And this was the kickoff to just a phenomenal few days and few matches for Luis Monte. Yeah, and that really picked up and continued with him on the evening portion of the double shot. It was Natural Vibes, KZ, Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, Jackie, Funky, Kamei versus Yamato, Louise, Monte, and Dragon Kid and Naruki Doi. And it's something that I really think that we, we maybe not have taken notice of it to the degree of this. Like the my, my first note I have of this is, how much these shows have been about, or at least matches that have natural vibes or have just have him in it become like Jackie Funky Kamei has become the workhorse, the quiet workhorse of this promotion. And that's became very clear because it felt like, at least to me, that this was a 16 minute match and about a good eight minutes of it, I would say, was being the crap out of JFK. Well, yeah, because you not only have the Monte stuff, but you also have the Yamato stuff where he and Yamato have developed, I don't know if I would call it chemistry, 
I don't know if I would call it a gimmick. I don't know if I would call it a ritual, but these guys love chopping each other really hard in the chest. And so you dedicate a whole portion of the match to that, removing that from the rest of the fact that Kamei, for a large part, was the main character of this bout. Yeah, and it's something like throughout, I feel like it's been more and more, I I feel like over this last like three or four months, a lot of the main events and my main events, you're getting a lot of JFK as the babyface in peril in those scenarios. And I think it works out for him. I mean, that's kind of why he joined that unit two years ago was to eventually get to that point. Uh, what'd you feel about the Zebrats incursion in this match? In the, in the final moments, uh, Zebrats got ran in, interfered. Luis Monte basically three on one. There was no Ishan, just cleared them all up. Yeah, Ishan was distracting the ref when Zebrats came in. So it was Hyo, Shun, and Kai on the attack. Right. And uh, Luis Monte just completely cleans the deck with them. And that goes straight into the Vuelta finale for the finish. It, it It's something where I like the idea that we're going to have to see what's going to be the four on one scenario here, because it seems very clear that there's going to have to be enough shenanigans to stop someone like Louise in this state. I feel like. All right. Watch your ears. I'm going to clap into the microphone. This is a, this is a warning for you, Mike. And for all of our listeners, hang with me for one second. My thoughts on this match deserve a clap. <laughs> Best match since August. I fucking love this. And when Zebrats came out, we're in the midst of a hot finishing stretch. Monte's jumping all over the place. Doi is wrestling like he's 25 years old again. I don't know what has gotten into Naruki Doi. You got Dragon Kid doing one of the scariest. Oh, I, I don't. I don't. The uh, Hurricane Rana from the middle rope on KZ. I thought that was terrifying. You've just got bodies flying all over the place. And it's one of those Dragon Gate matches where I just inch an inch more towards the edge of my couch and I am getting sucked into the TV because I am so enthralled by what I'm saying. And then Zebrats comes out and I sink into a new low because I think, oh my God, this is why no one's talking about this match. Zebrats comes in, they cause a DQ, they just kill the vibe completely. This is going to suck. And then Luis Monte gets a hold of the three of them, makes his comeback, takes out Zebrats, and then we go into the finishing stretch with he and Kamei. Four and a half stars. It's the best thing I've seen since August. All eight guys in this match could not have been better. This was fantastic. And it's something where I think this is one of the advantages of the 2023 unit landscape. In a way of like for as much of how I've hated small units and a lot of unaffiliated, it made it so I felt like that these four guys, this unaffiliated team, you have your Doyama moments, you have Yama Kid, you have Luis added into it in some bits. And it really kind of made it feel like, in a way, a natural vibes versus babyface all stars match. Completely. And, and with that, like you get the Zebrats encouraged and it's like, no, we're doing a all-star match get this out of here i want to have that with it i was four and a quarter on it i thought this was just absolutely phenomenal stuff i do feel like i ended up liking the straight tag then the next night a little bit more well we, we flipped our ratings there because i was at four and a quarter on that but but as for this eight man 
you know, I'm in, I'm in a real conundrum with what I want to see from Monte in terms of what he does in a unit, because in principle, I want Dragon Kid and Yamato to be separated. We saw them in high end and really throughout their career. It's not like they've been attached at the hip. It's been high end and Junction 3. And I think that's been it. Have they shared another unit? High end Junction 3. Uh, Were they in Kamikaze together? There might have been very brief Kamikaze overlapping. Let me look at. My yeah, notes. because even I mean, even if they were in Kamikaze together, it's not like anybody thinks about that unit and goes, "Oh, Yamato and Dragon Kid." They think about Shingo and Kong or Shingo and Yamato. So even if that's the case, there's just very little crossover between the two. But we just saw them in high end. My principle, you know, my instinct is to say, well, they need to be separated. They need to do something else. But Dragon Kid, Yamato, Monte, and Doi, insert fifth member here, whether it's Tanaka, whether it's Punch, I don't care who it is. That is a unit that I suddenly want to see a lot more of. And again, part of that is Doi just having such a phenomenal year. I am so obsessed with what Naruki Doi is doing, and I'm, I'm behind on All Japan. I don't even know what he's doing there now. But in Dragon Gate... Doi comes in, he's the opposite of Eita. He works a limited schedule, but when Doi comes in, he gives 100%. He's doing relevant things. He feels like a big star because he and Yamato are teaming with one another. Throw Monte in that mix, and you all of a sudden have this cocoon, basically, for Luis Monte, where his battle is not going to be failing as a babyface star. His battle is going to be, can he rise above some of the biggest stars in the history of Dragon Gate? But I think with those three guys specifically... Like, they're checked out. You know, Doi, Yamato, and, 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 uh, and Dragon Kid, if that is the unit, okay, you know what? They do They do a Triangle Gate team. Maybe you do a Yamadoi Twin Gate Challenge. Maybe you do a Yama, uh, Yamato Dragon Kid Twin Gate Challenge. But they're not guys that are going to be wrestling for the Dream Gate belt. At least I hope not. You know, in the future, would I hate a Dragon Kid defense or a Naruki Doi defense? No, I would not. Yamato, to some degree, we sort of have to, to play out the circumstances there. But they now have a chance to basically put a bulletproof vest on Luis Monte and go, you are protected. You are a main eventer. Here's the ball. Go run with it. And I think it could be really beneficial for all parties involved. So outside of that high end run, I did the math during this. There were four months that a Yamato and Dragon Kid overlapped in uh, Kamikaze. Like, functionally just kind of existed as a as a the dragon it was a triangle gate champion of that and yamato came in from real hazard and that was we straight into the generation war and all of that but who, who was your uh who was dragon kid triangle gate champions with so this triangle gate team for kamikaze you know this this unit that did not necessarily exist super long uh dragon kid shingo takagi Taku Awasa. Okay, that's what I that's kind of what I guess I assumed you were gonna say, but I have no recollection of that. Yeah, it was real early days, Kamikaze. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. Okay, that's interesting. I did not know that was a a Triangle Gate team. But wh- where are you at? You know, are you bothered by the idea of Yamato and Dragon Kid teaming again after high end, you know, their next unit after the unit that dissolved? And what do you want from Monte? Because it feels like he's heating up. And it feels like they can keep this momentum through Gate of Destiny. I think Monte's in a fascinating match at Gate of Destiny. We can talk more about that next week. And then you've got the Corican show, and it's four on one. You would have to assume backup is coming in at some point to save him. 
I think we're closer to a Monte unit than we are further away. What do you want for him? Well, it, it's something where I think we have to take in account the situation of Zebrats going into that match because it's a four-person unit and you have two people there who are more recent heels and Ishan and Shun. Yeah, they're not... the Actually, Ishan is the most recent heel turn, if you think about it. Yeah. And uh, you have two heels that their lifespan is up. So it comes down to, are you going to play off of the very public Hio Monte friendship and go that way? Or are you maybe thinking Kai? Maybe do a curveball with it. And instead, you have uh, Hio swear his allegiance to his classmate in Shun. Like, there's, there, there, there's ways to play out of this that I think that if you're talking about a scenario where we then have a nucleus of Monte and Hio, you could very easily then fill out the rest of the lineup the way you're saying with uh, with like these other aspects of veteran guns, if you will, or Trueborn. However, this if, if it is with Kai and him, I feel like that you then really can't have Yamato just around with that, and I think you're kind of going from there. Him as a lone wolf, I think it's something where he's really still getting those legs underneath him. You do have the fact that this this four-on-one match is coming up right after uh, Gate of Destiny, and from there you, you'd anticipate some sort of next story beat, at least with the overall Monte story. I just wonder if it's something where they might try to make it into a January thing, getting through November and December, and how busy Dragon Gate's schedule is. You know, I think you can maybe make it into 2024 with him as a lone wolf. Now, does that mean lone wolf Dreamgate champion? I don't think so. But it's something where it, there's a lot of different directions to go with Luis Monte. And I'm kind of interested to see where it's going to go. And I'm not like feeling like with others where I'm like, I need to kind of see some movement here. This one, at least, I kind of see him getting the opportunity to wrestle and team with people he has never had the opportunity to since he has been heel ever since the drop and it's not like he would have ever teamed with Naruki Doi outside of that so I I, I kind of want to see where it plays out I'm not necessarily at the point where he needs to become affiliated I think they're going to do it though I, I think they've they've got him pretty hot and I think they've got an opportunity to do so at Cork and I I I am on the side of I'd like to see him in a unit certainly by the start of the year. I also, I'm very glad you mentioned that, you know, this is something that we've hit home on for months now is I expect both because of the timing of where he's at in his career and because of the friendship behind the scenes, I expect Monte and Hyo to be with one another uh, sooner rather than later yet again. We saw Hyo lose a singles match to Yuki Yoshioka uh, on the, on the evening show in Fukuoka. I just, I just get the impression that his days are numbered. And I think realistically, Monte, Dragon Kid, Hyo, and Yamato, I don't think they'll be able to get Doi in a unit, although I really wish they'd be able to. I think that for subbing out Doi, putting in Hyo, I think that's our front runner. I think that's a realistic uh, a realistic unit. I think that's like minus 1,000 if we're going to put that on DraftKings for what does the Luis Monte unit look like. I, I think that's the favorite right now. Yeah, I think it's something where 
what it probably was was a lot more different than uh, on September 7th than what it ended up being. But I, I think even with those four, you, you don't really need to have punch in there. You don't really need to have punch around to begin with. But you, you have Hyo there to eat falls, and you can get stuff up and down. I feel like that there is a lot to go along with that. But it, it's something this uh, this this Kagoshima tag match with uh, Yamato and uh, and, and Luis versus SMJ and JFK. I just like the crowd was in it from the opening sequence. Like they just like the the e, the early quick uh, Jackie knife tease going into the crowd brawl. I was kind of fascinated at seeing just how ramped up they were for this match. Yeah, th- this is a town that has become very favorable for Dragon Gate. This is the third house show they've had there this year. And I think all three of them have been pretty solid. You know, in February, they ran a Ray Day Pareja show there. It was headlined by Jackie and Jason versus Kakuta and Yoshioka. I loved that match. I was super into it. In June, they ran there again. The semi-main on that show was Diamante and Shun versus Kamei and Strong Machine J. I really enjoyed that match. And then you have this here. Like you said, uh, Monte and Yamato, Kamei and Strong Machine J. You're right. This felt like vintage Toriumon, you know, because it was not only a match that the crowd seemed to be invested in from the start. It, it was a match that had this furious pacing. It was just absolutely relentless in the way that these guys went after each other. I love when Strong Machine J ramps up his intensity. You know, I think we got so used to seeing him quite literally in a pattern of work with the Strong Machines. And then, you know, he wasn't really the same in Dragon Gate Generation. And he's been good in vibes, but he's evolved throughout his time in this unit. And I think he's a guy that probably, like, if I if I had Strong Machine J's ear, I would say go watch Vintage ishi g1 matches not that you need to work like that but i do think that sort of pacing is where he shines where again this is a 12 minute tag match they do enough in here for 24 minutes they do a lot of moves with a z and it all works it's all exactly what they should be doing everybody looks their best in this environment and i think like to add credence to hey you need to just be a runaway freight train uh, as your style the, what's the best part of any Strong Machine J match? The best part of any Strong Machine J match, for me, it's when he throws his wheel kick, but I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Which is the end of his hot tag. Yes, there you go. It, his hot tag where he goes in, he does the corner attacks, goes straight into his power slam, and then he does the duck down wheel kick. He comes in like a freight train. Yep. Off track, just completely go, go, go. And that is something that if you look at the Rewa leaders... Yeah, Shun Skywalker as babyface champion was kind of ended up being like a a cannonball at a certain point where you just you couldn't get out of his way. And Ben is known for being kind of explosive, but there is a position in this company that has been inhabited by various people of just being the pace guy. And that for for Akira Tozawa, that's where his bread was buttered for like the last five years of him in the company. And I think for Strong Machine J, especially with the idea that that mask is sticking around for a while and at least for like emoting to the audience in a way, it's harder with that 
the best way to emote is constant action. Yeah, completely. You know, and uh, then you go into the Monte stuff here. Monte and Kame, like we said, I know we sort of covered this, but just unbelievable chemistry between these two. I, I, I would say you're right. I think these guys have the clubhouse lead on best one-for-one -one chemistry in Dragon Gate right now. And it's something where I don't feel like this came out of nowhere with them. Like they, yes, there was a Kung Fu Masters versus Shun Monte at Kobe World last year. No, that was at Ultimo 35. And that match was incredibly special. But it's something where I feel like as they've given Jack kind of more of the green light of being the workhorse of, if you just watch any, like, naturalized match and he's in it you know who's going to be working most of the match and i think that has allowed like this really fun chemistry to grow where the biggest pop of the match was not the finish was not the hot tag it was jack avoiding a volta finale before the hot tag by popping up on his shoulders and doing a t harris and getting said hot tag it's just they're able to do stuff there that i think like when we talk about traveling match you kind of need to find a way to get this pairing in with the two of them yeah i completely agree you know and, and look it's not it's not a mistake look at what monte's done since he's come back it was the singles match against kamei that was his first match back and then you saw the eight-man tag in fukuoka and then this match here and when he wasn't doing that he was wrestling jason lee or he was wrestling uh casey and yuchi for the most part he's been against natural vibes a lot and this is something we've always talked about is this current incarnation of vibes if you if you need to shake the rust off, I can't imagine between KZ, UT, Jason, and Jackie a better group of guys to do that against, and that is exactly what they've done with uh, with Luis Monte. I mean, looking at uh, Luis's cage match, there's no there's no surprise that he goes JFK, uh, M3K, Jason. Then he has Doi and Punch has an MP3K thing. Natural vibes, natural vibes. Hulk and Tanaka, natural vibes. I mean, the, the bookings are there for a reason. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And it, it is something where, with this week where we talk about this being the week of Monte, we should not let this week go by without talking about the conclusion of the uh, of the Yoshiki Kato five-match series. He has matches against Benkei and Misaki Mochizuki and Hakata. Coming out of the match with Mochizuki, he asks to team with Junior, not as a member of M3K, but the idea that uh, Kato views Junior as the top of his class and will push him to be better. Mochizuki Sr. has no uh, has no uh, 
a sticking point with this, and he agrees to it. Very quickly, soon after, before they're able to leave the ring, GM Ryo Saito comes out and announces that New Japan, during the Frontier Zone pre-show uh, series that they've started, they started with Destruction. At Power Struggle, they are looking at getting Dragon Gate, guys. Is this for Power Struggle, or have they already announced the uh, teams for Power Struggle, I believe? It's November 4th, I believe, which is Power Struggle. Let me double-check. Yeah, so it has been announced that in Frontier Zone, the new tag team of uh, Yoshiki Kato and Mochizuki Jr. will be on the New Japan show that day. And really coming to a close of this uh, Kato five-match series, he goes 0 for 5, as we all kind of suspect. Five very different kind of matches from Yoshiki Kato going through this and a tag team coming out of it. And... It's something where, like, I have not gotten to this match on Kagoshima, but I kind of double underlined the Junior and Kato versus Tanaka and Daiki tag match. Like, we're kind of seeing tag teams form amongst this year, or at least the last 18 months, rookie. It does certainly feel like we're approaching a universe in which I can't ignore the idea, and this will sound so dumb saying it out loud, but I, I think it's realistic a possible M5K, or I guess M4K. Damn it, I had one too many one too many numbers there. An M4K, where I could see Yoshiki Kato spending some time with the Mochizukis and with Kanda. It just, it's something I can't shake because they have quickly leaned into Junior and Kato. Maybe not being the best of friends, maybe not being full-time tag team partners, but there is something there. Yeah, and coming out of the series, I I think that it's the nice, n- not even next step as as coming out of it, but giving like some levels of difference and a injury list now that I mean, three out of the seven people that we would consider rookies are out right now. Few things better than to get something going with the other ones by basically pairing them up with it. And I noticed on social media trying to see if I could pull up the uh, uh, tweet by Tanaka that he was talking about like, oh yeah, no, me and Daiki are starting to work out more and trying to be a team about that. And I I think it's, I think it's kind of cool to see. I I completely agree. You know, I'm, I'm very, very into what all of the rookies are doing right now. And I think it's a real bummer that Nagano is not around to be in this. You know, we talked a month and a half ago when TN came into the fold and Nagano was back and Fuda got healthy and you had Junior and Kato. It was like we had a brief moment there where every young guy was healthy and then TN and Nagano and Fuda said, hold that thought. We are not doing that. We are no longer healthy. And it's a real bummer, but the core that's there, I think, is a solid core. Have you noticed Daiki Yanagiuchi has started throwing a mean Meteora? He has started to kind of put things together. Like, I know Tanaka right now is getting the focus, and Daiki was the one where kind of like, we'll see how it's kind of put together. He's kind of, his offense is like, I'm throwing my body at you as hard as I can. And it works. It's really, it's good. As soon as I saw him do the Meteora, I don't know if he's done it prior to Fukuoka, but this is the weekend where it jumped out to me. And it was just like, yep, this uh, boy, whoever told him to do this right on the money, can't imagine a better move for this guy to do. Absolutely so. So Kato, before joining that tag team, we have him versus Benke, him versus Mochizuki, Masakari from Benke, showing off the power 
And then Mochizuki worked the arm because Masaki Mochizuki is a smarter wrestler than we ever will be. Decides, you know what, this big hulking guy, let's not let him throw me around. And gets him in with the arm breaker. What was your thoughts on the Benkei match? I thought that this is one of the ones that did not really see much of a response one way or another. But I don't know what it is this year. I find like secret hidden uh, enjoyment of Dragon Gate's uh, non-existent heavyweight division. And it, and none different here in this Benkei match. Thought this one was a miss. Did not did not enjoy this one. You know, you go through the five-match Kato series before this, Shimizu, Yamato, Shun, all good but all flawed. I think this was the match. There are two matches in Kato's career that if if for some reason he doesn't figure it out, and I want to emphasize before I say this, that I think he very much will. I think he is going to have a long, prosperous career. But there have been two matches during his time on the roster, both singles matches, oddly enough, both in this building, where I've gone, huh, okay, something needs to be figured out there. There was the Diamante match in February. That was during Ray Taperejas. Neither guy was in the tournament. They had a, or I guess Kato was, Diamante wasn't. Uh, they had a singles match on a Fukuoka show. It just didn't land. It was sloppy. It was clunky. It, it was the antithesis of what these guys normally do, and it was not a good look for either guy. And then you had this Ben match here, and it's not that it was, you know, I, it, it wasn't this, you know, abortion of a match. It's not like I would go dud on it, but this is the Kato singles match series, you know, five-match series. And I think it was really important for him, especially coming out of the Shun match, to be like, all right, here, you know, let me rub my hands together and let me put on this cracker of a match. And I kind of thought he looked exposed. You know, this was just him not looking like he was ready for the moment, not really bringing it in the charisma department and the in-ring department. He ha- he did not seem to click with Ben K the, the way that I thought that he would. Of course, my reservation would change the next night when he was in the ring with Masaki Mochizuki, but I, I did not like this match. I, I left this with a, with an uneasy feeling about Kato. I think for me, the reason why I ended up enjoying it, it was not necessarily anything Kato did. And I think that that was just like a matter of perspective here. Like Kato in a lot of ways looked like a baby bull in this match. And it was something where, like, for, for a guy of his size, projecting the strength, he does not necessarily do a great job of it at times. Mm-hmm. That, and, and I think that you brought up the uh, Diamante match from February. I think, like, I, I don't have that notebook in front of me, but I'm willing to say that that probably was the case with that, was not really projecting, like, the size of this. Ben kind of, I felt, like, more than shoulder to the load with this. And I think... It was the idea that for the first four or five minutes, Ben let Kato run through him. And it kind of really kind of Ben played it off as like taking him aback. And then he kind of got serious and took care of it. But it was something that it kind of like left a, a fascinating kind of like tidbit in my brain of, oh, is this Ben for the first time experiencing that there will be a Dragon Gate that he's no longer the strongest person in? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that that was a very interesting story to tell in the match. Cause I feel like that kind of was the Ben K side of the match. And I really dug that. Okay. That's fair. What did you think of the Mochizuki match the next night? 
oh that was a cracker yep. like i mean Mas- masaki mochizuki is just an absolute uh genius thinking about like going arm focus and then just the way that kato it, it it's not that he was giving up selling but it was that he in a way just is just so consumed and then he like crumbles afterwards just like cradling his arm and i thought that was really awesome there was a spot early in this match where i don't know if i'd call it a shoulder block i don't know if i'd call it a shove masaki mochizuki just kind of used his body at full force to send yoshiki kato over the middle rope into the floor and it just looked so violent. It was just, it was like, like, like something that would take place in the Roman Coliseum. I, it was just a small thing. You know, you and I have watched thousands of Mochizuki matches. I've never seen him do this exactly. And it was just like, oh my God, he's, he's unbelievable. You know, this is a, this is a, it's a non move. It was a nothing thing. And it, it grabbed my attention. And then throughout the match, Again, Kato, I thought, looked totally exposed the night before. Ben wasn't the guy that he needed. And then he goes in there with Masaki Mochizuki, and all of a sudden, everything is right in the world. And Mochizuki leads him to, as you and I would uh, uh, define it as, a cracker. Yeah, it's something where there was like an aspect of... Uh, from the aspect that was like almost like a hit and run happening (laughs) in a a way (laughs) that... it. It, it, it and it's something that I feel like with Kato, him being this outlier, right? Like we said this from the start, he is different from the rest of the roster. Now I think it's abundantly clear that he is just a different kind of cat. It's he's never. I'm never going to expect him to go do uh, T. Harris. Like I just that th- that's just not going to happen with him. But it seems like the thing that. It, I know that they think that he is someone that they he's very smiley outsidering, very kind. Like like he he's he's well liked, but the money there is not with him being this smiley guy. It's him being this raw beast. And that's I think like the best aspects of the series were him and people kind of reacting to, oh, this guy, I don't know if he's necessarily writing, uh wrestling or fighting or just like just tearing through us. And that was kind of the thing that I feel like with this junior team that I kind of want to see like the aspect of like, Oh, junior is the most composed 20 year old ever and is able to just line up strikes and he's going to get his nose busted open. He's going to get more powerful and he's going to tag in this mean guy who just picks you up, kind of throws you around, kind of runs through you and he's going to try to like pick you up and put you up on his shoulders and break you. Like, like there's a lot there that I feel like that they should really lean into more so than trying to get the crowd appeal with. Yeah, I I don't know when the time to do that is. You know, I, I think we're at a turning point for Kato here because he's at the end of the five-match series. He obviously went 0-5 there. I don't think anybody expected otherwise. He's going to have this New Japan show in 10 days. I think that will at the very least raise his profile, although selfishly, I am excited that Mochizuki Jr. is going to work in front of an audience uh, of meaning American journalists that will finally pay attention to him. That's just a huge dub for me. And then we'll kind of hit the, the the end of the year. And I, it's, I, I don't, it's weird. I don't know how to phrase this. I don't know if I want Kato to just be out in the wilderness a little bit longer and to find his sea legs before he turns, or if he is a guy that just needs to turn, we need to shake things up 
and maybe a fresh coat of paint with him, even though he's only a year into his career, maybe that will be what he needs to take that next step. Yeah, it, it's something where like the one of the big things I think w- if we ever get to a point where we have the distance to talk about Red in this way, the number one thing I think Red did was basically take take uh, rookie wrestlers or younger wrestlers that were reached their point that they kind of needed to make that big jump forward and doing it in a bold manner where. Uh, Kento Kabune, less than a year, becomes a Triangle Gate champion in his first night in the unit. Madoka Kakuda comes in, uh, takes out Masato Yoshino in another five-on-five match. They were willing to, like, throughout it, I mean, Kaito Ishida as well, get people to that next step. And that is what I feel like really needs to happen with Kato. Like, if we're really going to get out all different color threads and figure out these units, we've already talked about future Luis unit. I think what, however the heel side goes, you do kind of need to, at the very least, Kato needs heel experience because that's where his bread's going to be buttered. I just had a terrible thought when you were talking about that, that heel Yoshiki Kato probably means he's getting renamed something really, really wacky. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be like Tower Kato or something like that, you know? You know what? I hope it's Tower Kato. That name kicks ass. I mean, it's something where you could have, my God, eventually have the trios team of Tower Kato, Shun Skywalker, and Hip Hop Kakuda. The you know the world could only hope because I'm afraid it's going to be like, like Flex K or something. It, it's just I just I have a, a bad feeling about what they're going to do when they rename him. But nevertheless, you know those are the big takeaways from the weekend. Uh, Luis Monte and his continued dominance. Uh, his great, great in-ring weekend, and then Yoshiki Kato in his trial series. Mike, do you have any other thoughts on Kato, or do you want to run down the results from the first Fukuoka show? Yeah, let's talk about Fukuoka at this point. So both these shows up on the network. The afternoon show has the Japanese uh, wrestler commentator. The the evening show does not have that if you're someone who likes i i it's something for me that i've never done the wrestler commentary i know some people love doing it i just am not that thing but going through the afternoon show they open up with natural vibes versus zebrats kz strong machine j ut jackie funky kamei and it's the full complement of zebrats kamei over hyo with the jackie knife on that uh ginky horiguchi and jason lee versus kagatora and punch tomonaga lee over tomonaga with a maximum driver the aforementioned Binke Akato match, 9-10 Masakari on that. Luis Monte and Dragon Kid versus BB Hulk and Ryoya Tanaka. Uh, that was Monte over Tanaka. The Mochizukis versus Yamadoi uh, was the semifinal on the afternoon portion. It was the Bakatari sliding kick on Junior for that. And then in the main event, Dream and Brave Gate skirmish. Uh, or that's what they have on the Facebook thing. It's actually the Bra- the Dream and Twin Gate Skirmish, D-Courage, Madoka Kakuda, y- Yuki Yoshioka, Dragon Kid versus Big Boss Shimizu, Susumu Mochizuki, and Azushi Kanda. It is a kamikaze into the Geku Gudo elbow into an aided Big Boss press to get the win for the non-D-Courage theme Shimizu over Daya on that. Yeah, I really, really liked the Mochizuki's versus Yamadoi, not surprising, of course, given sort of my taste and where I stand right now, but I will reemphasize what I said about Doi earlier. I just think he looks so motivated 
and energetic. Maybe motivated is not the right word. He's just so energetic in Dragon Gate. And that works really, really well alongside Mochizuki Jr., somebody who's obviously killing himself on every single show. And that, to me, was the highlight of the first uh, the afternoon show. Yeah, it's something where I liked the D-Courage versus uh, M2K and, and Shimizu a trios match a little bit more, if only for I liked the, the the finishing stretch was really fun on that one. That was like that, but they both were three and three quarters for me. I the, the thing that got me about the Yamadoi match, this was very much not a Yamadoi match. And I was like, okay, that's totally fine. That's cool. But instead, we kind of got to see Junior and Yamato uh, open up there. I thought that was fun. And then Doi just really trying to find a way to bust up this kid's nose. Did not happen somehow. He did not bleed in Hakata, but... It, the, the fun thing with this, I thought, was Mochizuki Sr. coming in as the hot tag, just kind of running through it and then immediately getting right back out and having more junior in. Like, it's it's really kind of fascinating how they've done that, I feel like. I, look, I, I think we've got to hit a point where at Final Gate, we're doing Kanda and Susumu versus Junior and, and Mochi. I, I have to take, and this is not a victory lap, it's more like... Uh, like a like a motocross racer doing a big whip over the finish line. The race isn't over yet, but I'm ahead. And I just want to remind people that I'm ahead. Everybody last year was so... that Everybody wanted to rush to the end of M3K. And I was, I was into the unit from the jump. I thought it was a cool idea. I obviously liked the idea of Mochizuki Jr. simply existing, being spawned onto this earth. I was a big fan of that. But... I, I always felt like they, they could get more and more out of this unit. And now it's not that I want to see them break up, although I do think their time's coming. I just think if hypothetically, you know, Kondo and Susumu defend the Twin Gate belts in Osaka, and then let's say we do Mochizuki's versus Mochizuki's, whether it's at Final Gate or whether it's at one of the December Corkins, unless something greatly unforeseen happens, I would assume the Mochizuki's win... They do their thing. They have a defense or two, three or four, and then they lose them. And that feels like the natural breaking point for M3K, where I think they will have fully squeezed everything out of this unit that they could have. And I think it's one of the, the we talked about Rio Saito's booking tenure a few weeks ago. I think M3K has to be a massive plus on his resume. I love what he's done with this unit. I've talked repeatedly, you know, Junior has always had something to do. Junior has been interesting since his first day on the roster. They've maximized Kanda, best year of his career. They found a way to use Susumu, post-prime Susumu very well. And when you use Masaki Mochizuki, good things happen. I love this unit. I love them now. I think they will age great. Historically, I think we'll remember them as a very, very good unit. It's something where I feel like at that point you're almost getting to two years of it with M3K that that's a healthy time. Like the one thing that we were just talking about him that I can't shake this case now that you put the you put it in my head that his name's going to change. They're not going to make Yoshiki Kato uh, Darkness Dragon 2, are they? Because I can kind of see like that. And then you do have like another six months out of this, I feel like. Well, that's so the 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 hang up there is that if Kato joins M3K, may get M4K, which is which is you know what you're getting at there, and not that he's going to become a masked Lucha Risu, uh, uh wrestler, 
At least I don't think so. I, I don't think that's what you mean when you say Kato's going to do a Darkness Dragon. No, 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 that was exactly what I meant, actually, Case. God, I mean, so, so fucking cool if he was like, I'm actually pivoting, guys. You guys thought I was a strong Big Japan wrestler. I am the next Kness. That would be so fun. But I, I mean, then you could have someone now who can, like, just go after Daya nonstop. Like, yeah, come on. Everybody, everybody's like, oh, well, it's going to be Kato versus Tien and Kato versus Ben as as the big money matches. It's like, no, it's Kato versus Eita, seven minutes in Kobe. They're doing gravelly exhibitions, and Mike and I are the only people that like it. That's the that's his future. <laughs> I mean, I'm just waiting for me to get the lease to Lapis Hall. Oh, my you know? God. Oh. I mean, the amount the da- of fun. The damage we could do. I mean, uh got to see like i think katoka can still take a couple bumps i i will we're, we're gonna call him in there he's probably so. in the best shape of his life i mean i think he's up to uh 15 gems now like is he time, really each time i check he adds like two or three in it like either he's made like the best pyramid scheme possible or this guy is like i fully expect in 15 years he's going to buy the company at this point you know it's one way or another i wonder if he's the one that took masada yoshino's money I mean, that's he's, he's, hey. like, he's like, I have a great investment opportunity for you. You give me your money. I make money from gyms. <laughs> have fun being a GM. No, you're, you are not wrong about that. Like the more I'm thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I can no, see I, that. I, 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 again, Kotoko has become a very successful businessman. I, I don't I don't assume that's it. But back on Kato being an M3K, the thing that you can't do, and th- this is where it's the only reservation I have about really them exploring that is, you had Ishin as an assistant to M3K basically at this time last year. And then he turns, you know, becomes all caps Ishin and you're off to the races there. You can't have that happen again with Junior. You have to figure out a way to get out of that unit or at least out of that situation that doesn't involve Junior inviting a friend into the unit and then the friend turning on him. Because if that happens twice in the same unit, then he just looks like a dumbass. And for as much as I love him, when I remove the analytical lens and just look at it from a fan's perspective, it's going to, I'm going to have a question mark over how much I would like to support junior. If that happens to him for a second time in the same unit, if they can navigate around that, if they can figure out another solution to get Kato into M3K, but to not have it in that way, I'm all for it. You know that there's one person whose career was made by being turned on. Uh, uh, Dragon Kid, I would assume. Masato Yoshino, he got turned on in the same unit by the same guy twice. That you know what, and that is a a, a glaring omission on my behalf. You are right. Uh, yeah, but it just I I don't know. It would I feel I feel like it would make Junior look very foolish. I don't I don't want that for him. Yeah, that that was also um, Masato Yoshino almost a decade into his career getting turned on. Not, That's right. Not. Only I don't think he's turned twenty one yet. Not not like that. I, he just he just turned twenty one. We were talking about that last week because it's oh. just he's just he's so fucking good. I just yeah, he's God. unreal. Well, speaking of him, do do you mind me going through the evening show? Please. We have Mochizuki Junior, the captain of the future team, with Daiki Yanagiuchi and Ryo Yatsunaka. They're against Shun Kai and Ishin. Ishin locked in a full on lion tamer on poor Daiki, like. This, this guy, he's going to throw his body at you, and you're going to make him into knots. Like, that's that's going to be where this guy's bread is buttered. Kagator and Punch Tomonaga versus Benkei and BB Hulk. Kota Minora got the weekend off. Uh, Yuki Yoshioka had light work against Hyo. Two minutes and 57 seconds with a battle hook. 
Maraha Isapa reunites with a pre-match stinger uh, against Asumu Mochizuki Azushi Kanda. We thought this might be a bit of a 25th anniversary kind of thing. Instead, it just was uh, what you expect to see from Maraha Isapa and Sumu and Kanda at this point. Kanda gets a win with the Geku Judo elbow drop. The aforementioned Yoshiki Kato versus Misaki Mochizuki match five. Ten minutes with the arm breaker on that. Madoka Kakuda and Dragon Daya versus Big Boss Shimizu NUT. It was Daya reversing a cradle, reversing a Hikari Noa, actually, in 7 minutes and 41 seconds. And then the main event, we discussed this earlier, Natural Vibes versus Unaffiliated. Uh, Luis Monte getting the win over Jackie Funky Kamei. Where are we at now? We talked about this last week about Shimizu and Kakuta. I think that's the most interesting thing from the show that we haven't talked about yet. So as, as so as a reminder, case uh, we are keeping track of these times or these percentages. Last week on the program, I was thirty percent Kakuta, seventy percent Shimizu. You were forty and sixty. So I, I I'll leave this to you. I'll leave the off the discussion with this. What's your where are you at right now? I'm going to go 50-50, and that's not exciting. I think that will change by next week, but as we sit here right now, having just watched the evening match between these two, I'm at 50-50. It, it, it's something where if they reversed the two matches, would you see yourself being more 45% Kakuda? No, I, I just, I found the layout of the evening match to be so fascinating that I really, I left it not knowing what they were going to do. And you haven't seen the Shimizu Kakuta stuff from 1023, the house show yet, right? No, I've not gone to that part on Kagoshima. You'll really like it. They're in the first match on the upload. There's a post-match angle. It's really good stuff. And I think all of that combined really left me going, God, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do here. Yeah, it's something where he takes the loss last week, the direct penfall. This week, uh, he he still has not scored a fall in to reciprocate. Uh, he looks really strong in that trios, uh, the the trio skirmish. Uh, the, this one, it does not. The the tag match was really fascinating. Like seven minutes, basically a kind of a full out sprint. Uh, Ut getting caught on him trying to do a flash pin there. I thought that was kind of a smart kind of thing to do with that but it does not make Shimizu look strong with it. Well, I, 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 do, do, I do think, though, percentage-wise, uh, I think I am uh, 33% Kakuda, 66% Shimizu, 67. So two to one. The thing that I am so fascinated by is the layout of this, this evening match. So like Mike said, you know, we're, we're a tag match here. Shimizu and UT versus Kakuta and Daya. And about a minute into the match, Shimizu overpowers Kakuta, grabs him, shot put slam, and it looks like the match is going to be over there. There's a part of me, because I love unexpected finishes. I love really short matches where I was like, that should have just been the finish. I think that would have rocked everybody to their core. But Dragon Daya breaks it up. And then we're in this situation. This will, this will sound ridiculous to somebody who hasn't watched the match. This reminded me of like a 90s All Japan match and the way that it was laid out where Shimizu hits a move that acts as an angle within the match. He hits the shot push slam on Kakuta and Kakuta comes back, but he's never, you know, for all intents and purposes, back in the match. Like he's there, he does some moves. He's a complete afterthought. I really, I actually think he should have just been on the floor the entire time 
and maybe got back in for the finishing stretch because Shimizu hits this move and then it becomes this two-on-one against Daya, basically, and you have Daya doing some interesting stuff against Shimizu, and then he and Yuji obviously have great chemistry. But I was so impressed and, and so intrigued by shot put slam, Daya breaks up the pin, Kakuta rolls to the floor. You notice Shimizu goes to the ropes and starts talking trash to Kakuta, who's on the floor, and then the match proceeds. I just thought it was so interesting. We rarely see Drangate do stuff like that. And it really felt like one of those vintage All Japan six mans, not in terms of quality, but in terms of structure. Yeah, and it works into, I feel like, like in this kind of scenario, you then kind of become two on one. And then it logically makes sense. Like Daya, probably the the way he's going to escape is not through Shimizu. That's not going to happen. And you're not going to really have like the staging for like the DD, DDT or Reptilian. So reversing that I thought was kind of, Kind of cute. Also thinking about that's Kness's move and Daya doing it, reversing that back. I thought that was kind of fun with it. it. It worked. It worked well. It is something, though, that I do kind of feel like that his momentum was was cut a little bit by this weekend, like uh, unquestionably. I, I'm, I'm still I'm still very much into him. Sorry, as I just dropped my TV remote. I'm sure that was picked up on Mike, but uh, I, I don't think Shimizu lost any momentum going into this match. I do think Kakuta is now in a more sympathetic position. No, that that's entirely fair. Well, Case, I'm looking over our show rundown, what we had, and uh, the last thing that we had, it kind of was answered. Uh, uh, do you, did you think of any other tag team partners for Strong Machine J? Uh, you know, I look, I think J has a, has a wide open playbook here. I think he and Kamei have a bright future together. If they want to do he and Dragon Kid, I think that would work. I think at some point he and Shun... Uh, would be a tremendous tag team. The thing with Strong Machine J, at one point in his career, you got to remember, we used to talk about him in the Drangate generation as like, what do we do with this guy? He doesn't fit in anywhere. Strong Machine J, we've learned now, can fit in everywhere. So I, I don't have a an immediate gut response like, that is the tag team that I want to see. I just think he could be with anybody on the roster. Yeah, and I guess the thing that kind of like prompted me more so from this, just as we've seen him in multiple Triangle Gate teams now, not just Strong Machine Army, there was that Dragon Gate Generation team, and as a singles, we just do not have him as a tag team wrestler, and that's kind of the thing that kind of popped in my head with that. Uh, I think Jack is the person now, like, before seeing the matches, it makes sense, like, doing big, small, doing, like... I feel like you could do fastball specials, just like a lot of kind of fun things with that. The it, it, it there is like a tendency to me that I think that with his gimmick that there you kind of want to put him with Takashi Yoshida, but that's a death knell for him. But it, it, it's gonna be fascinating to see play out because with where natural vibes is at this point, I feel like that you 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 kind of need to see like him being able to do his his thing and we really haven't seen that with him in natural vibes other than singles matches no i think it's i think it 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 has been a tremendous benefit to his career i do not by any means think it's his peak no absolutely not uh well case was there anything else you wanted to hit on tonight no this is gonna be this is a shorter show but we were all business baby we covered everything i want to cover i think I, i will reiterate again Go watch the Evening Fukuoka show. Go watch the 1023 house show. Watch that entire video file. There's no wasted time on that. I am fired up. For the first time in about six or seven weeks, ever since TN got hurt, I am I am into the Dragon Gate. 
Next week, we will have a full Gate of Destiny preview, and I am looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm right now looking at the house shows this weekend. Uh, expect the show in your feeds Wednesday and set or Wednesday night into Thursday. We'll have a little bit of a later recording. Uh, I'm really kind of fascinated by this. Like they're keeping Yamato, Dragonhead, and Luis teaming against Strong Machine J, Jason Lee, and Jackie Funky Kamei. Like that just screams to me. That sounds and awesome. Let the, the Let's look at these. I'm going to list the, the top three matches from the show. This is from uh, Ishikawa coming up on the 26th of my dad's birthday. But for my dad's birthday, there will also be KZ and Shimizu versus Junior and Kato, and then D. Curtis versus Shun, Kai, and Hio. That's a strong last three matches. I like that a lot. Absolutely. But uh, we will be back next week to discuss these YouTubes. And more so, we have a full card for Gate of Destiny, and we'll give you the... Uh, the deepest uh, Gate of Destiny preview you'll find anywhere else. So come back to us for that. Thanks for listening this week. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fuchiheya. Thanks for listening to VoiceGate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.